2: Uh, Not that I know of, no. Uh, We were killing a little bit of time. We were waiting to get our guests on, Noah and Elizabeth Hansard. Noah, we've been talking about for a long time with his mom, Elizabeth. Noah's a UNO student, shot and paralyzed in New Orleans last August, I think it was, right? Well, let's welcome him in. Good morning, Noah. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm okay. And, uh, Elizabeth, how are you?
3: I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having us on. We appreciate it.
2: It's my pleasure. We always like to give a voice to the victims. Did uh, y'all have a nice Thanksgiving? It was nice.
4: We uh we cooked, we grilled, we uh you know family
2: grilled yeah. turkey or like um
4: uh, we steak. had like lamb and uh, filet mignon. We we've never been really turkey people. We find it makes us sleep a little too hard.
2: Yeah, you know a lot of people. I I always wondered on a lighter note before we get serious here, if we we eat turkey once a year, right, or twice a year. Well, if it's so good, why don't we eat it year round? And we it doesn't seem like we do, but. Let's move on. Noah, um, I've spoken to you just very briefly on the phone. This is the first time you and I have spoken at any length. Your mother and I have spoken a lot. Um, how are you doing, first of all uh, and foremost? Um, and what's every day like for you?
4: Uh, I'm good. Um, it's a day-to-day thing. I mean, I wake up, just do my same routine, and just get through the day. It's not anything, like, too super exciting. Yeah, depressing. Huh? it was
2: just uh, just a day. Well, but when you say that, or depressing, I, I how do you? Well,
4: a lot of people ex- expect me to be uh, down in the dumps for some reason, mm-hmm. for obvi- obviously reasons. But uh, I'm not really. It's just another day.
2: Did it take you a while to come to grips with that?
4: And I came to grips pretty quickly. I want to say. But I mean, it was a uh, real—I mean, it was a real shock, obviously.
2: Take me back to that night, from the, for, if you don't mind, from the beginning. We're talking about what date here? August twenty-second, twenty-first of
3: twenty. It was the night of the twenty-first, leading into the early hours of the twenty-second. August so...
2: twenty-twenty-two, correct? Correct. So you're studying Noah. Tell me the story. What happened, as you remember it?
4: Uh, so I was a student at UNO, still am, and I w- would walk around the lake shore to go look at the animals, fish, clear my head, mm-hmm. whatever whatever I needed to do for the walk, listen to the water. And I walked down the lakeshore, I was coming, actually coming back to come home, I was about a block and a half away from my house, and two people drove up, and hopped out of their car with guns. Uh, And it started off as a robbery, and then it became a shooting.
2: Well, did the car... I'm just wondering what goes through your mind when something like this happens. Did did you know they were going to stop? Did you sense, did something go off, like a gut feeling, something, intuition, where it's like, you know what? Uh, I want to
4: say there was a little bit of gut feeling, but not enough to... Really react quicker. Mm -hmm. It was because when uh, they pulled up, the person in the shotgun seat hopped out immediately, while the other guy was still trying to like park and everything to keep me from running, going. Just he wanted to make sure like I couldn't
2: leave. Do you remember what they said?
4: Um, they didn't say much other than they had the having the guns pointed at me. Saying I, they want my wallet, I didn't. I told them I didn't have it. They asked for my, they demanded my phone. Gave it to them because they got guns. I don't. Um, and it was around when the driver got out of the car that I was. I started getting a little worried for my life because I heard he give them, given them everything that they've asked for, and I had nothing else to give. So why would the driver get out?
2: Mm-hmm. at, at that point, what happened?
4: Um, well, I had a, a gut feeling that this robbery was just going to be a robbery, so I tried to defend myself as best as possible, and I got shot twice uh, under the, like, armpit, like, ribcage area on my left side.
2: For those of us that don't know what it feels like, what does it feel like when you get shot?
4: Um... Luckily, my uh, adrenaline kicked in fast enough that I actually didn't feel it at all. Mm -hmm. But apparently, I'm some of the lucky ones when it comes to getting shot. Apparently, it could be really painful.
2: And what happened after that, as far as you remember? Uh,
4: um, After they shot me, I asked them if they could call me an ambulance. They
2: Wait, you asked the people that shot you this?
4: Yeah, I was just like, listen, you already shot me. Might as well see if you <laughs> don't turn this shooting into a murder. You know what I mean? And um, they told say? me some, un- con- they said some unkind words and then drove off. Uh, well, drove off as um, Pinnacle Security was pulling up to, like, chase them away. He, uh, chi- Pinnacle Security chased them down the street a little. He then popped the UE because he actually didn't know that I was on the ground, but he was just going back to where he heard the shooting, and then he found me. Were you? And I was bleeding out on the gr- bleeding out on the ground, paralyzed.
2: At that point, are you angry? Are you are you in shock? Are you uh, panicking? Are you uh, just wondering, trying to make sense, cognitive dissonance, trying to make sense of what the hell is going on here? I can't believe this.
4: Uh, I mean, obviously, I was calling for help. But it was just a more survival than anything. It wasn't like, "What's why me? Why is this happening in my life?" It was, "I got to get through this if I want to have something to complain about." I guess.
2: Did was so, some, uh, did you think you were gonna die?
4: Yes. Hmm. I mean, obviously, it was you know late at night. I'm one of the few people that are walking around. The only people that could really find me are the strange drivers by or Pinnacle Security.
2: What went through your mind yeah, when you. Sorry, how old are you, Noah? Or oh, were you then?
4: Uh, I was 24. Oh, yeah, sorry, 23. Yeah, it was 23. It was two weeks before my birthday.
2: Mom can get on the phone sure. if she wants. That's okay.
3: No, I was just saying it was oh. two weeks before his birthday.
2: He was 23. He's now 25. Okay. So, so. What, what are you thinking, Noah? you 23 years old, and, and I'm at a different point in my life than that. I, I don't know if I can even remember when I was 23, but when you think you're going to die, what are you thinking of? Are you thinking of, of what happens next? Are you thinking of your mom and leaving her behind? What's going through your mind? Uh,
4: it was it, it was a, like a large portion of worrying about my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh. Like, like a massive portion because my mom had already lost a son in her life.
2: Mm. So from that point, they take you to the hospital. You're conscious?
4: I was conscious in the ambulance. They had to start putting about eight pints of blood in me, if I remember right, throughout the surgery and, like, just riding in the ambulance because I was bleeding so quickly. Um,
2: were they talking to you when you're in the ambulance? Were you conscious? I was
4: conscious for quite, quite a bit of the ambulance ride. They were asking me, like, questions, obviously your name. I was able to tell them my blood type because I actually knew it. Just basically information to contact anyone that could help me.
2: Did you ask them how badly were you hurt?
4: Uh, I knew I was badly hurt. I didn't really ask them about it. And after they put me under in the ambulance, I woke up for a short time in, on the surgical table. And then I went back, blacked out again. And then I woke up in, I believe it was the intensive care unit, where I had like, I was intubated and um, they had to like have me uh, chained to the, not chained to the bed, restrained. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't pull out my in, uh, intubation or like IVs or anything I had in me.
2: When did you see your mom for the first time after you got shot? Want,
4: 40. you know, about 48 hours and like, about three hours after I woke, actually woke up because they put me in—I think—in a medically induced coma.
2: From what I'm hearing so far, I would think you're probably more concerned about her than you at that point.
4: Yeah, I was pretty concerned about her. Uh, obviously, when I woke up, I was—I was looking around. I re- obviously I remembered I was shot, but uh, it was. Since I was intubated and I was restrained on the bed, I couldn't really move much, let alone, obviously, the surgeries that they had to do to me. So I just was lying there, looking at a ceiling for about an hour or two before.
3: Tommy, I want to interject something here. I think through the the time that Noah and I have spoken, um, the most traumatic events that he's recounted is obviously being paralyzed on the lawn, Mm -hmm. not knowing if they were going to come back and finish him off. And then, obviously, waking up at UMC and being strapped to a metal table, right? <laughs> and, then off, and then waking up in his room, again, intubated and restrained. So always this sense of hopelessness, you know, really not understanding where he was. or. Um, so now he has lingering effects when he does have to be put under for anything. Um, he obviously resu- he doesn't enjoy the process. Um, so that has been the one thing that has left trauma. More than anything, um, you know, it's traumatic to go through an event like this.
2: Let let me, Noah, get back to that for a second for you when you're lying on the lawn. You thought they were going to come back and and kill you after you asked them? So you ask them to call an ambulance. They tell you blank, 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 blank. And then you thought they were going to come back and... and it
4: It was one of the thoughts that popped in my head. I really didn't know. Um. Lucky that Pinnacle Security was there because I don't know if they would have finished me off if they had the
2: time. At any point, did did you? I had an experience um, just when I was leaving late work late work one night, um, and it, it was just a, a, a chain of events where I looked in this guy's eyes and I knew that he was going to kill me. I just knew it, and somebody intervened and prevented that from happening. At any point did you, or I presume that, I, I don't know if that would have happened or not, but at any point did, did you look in their eyes and you knew this was it, that you were looking? Tell me what, what I guess, just one human looking at the other dealing with this type of person, did, did you sense any of that in their eyes or demeanor? Anything? I
4: did. That, I did. That's why I started realizing that this wasn't just a robbery anymore. I could sense, like, I could feel it in their eyes.
2: So you know what I'm talking about.
4: Yeah. Okay. It, that, that like, killing intent that they— it, that It's hard to describe,
2: but I knew it, and my kid was with me, and it was midnight, and I said, you never come with me again. You can't, and, and never did. Let me take a break. We'll pick it up here. we come back. We're talking to Noah Hansard, his mother, Elizabeth. Um, he was shot by, um, at that time, juveniles. Both are juveniles? No, uh, only one of them. Only one. one of them, and then Tata Se escaped— just recently they were not notified we'll get into all of that when we come back but i just think it's important that victims have a voice and for those of us that think we know how we would react or or afterward we don't know what we would do one of the things that just has my jaw dropped is that he actually asked the people that shot him to call an ambulance and all he did was i understand it curse you out pretty much right
4: yeah curse me out and then uh it chased off by Pinnacle Security.
2: Incredible. No answered our guest. We'll be back 504 260 187. If you have any questions or comments, Tommy Tucker, WWL. Nine twenty eight. It is uh, Monday morning. We're talking to Noah Hansard who was shot August of twenty twenty two out at the lakefront UNO student just going for a walk at night and ran into the wrong people at the wrong time. He's now paralyzed. And Noah, I appreciate you coming on and being so candid about this. Um because sometimes we you know, we hear these things in in the news and, and it's a story and then we all go on with our lives, but it changes like a pond a pebble in a pond, it changes lives forever in a ripple fashion, and going out to your family, extended family friends, et cetera. Um, if you don't mind talking about it, at what point did they tell you that you would not be able to walk?
4: Um, I actually don't remember when they said it. Mm-hmm. it Obviously, I was in intensive care. And they had me intubated and restrained on the bed. But it was one of those things, like, I didn't, like I knew I couldn't walk as I was, li- like, lying in bed because obviously I couldn't feel my legs. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like they, it was an important moment when they told me.
3: I'm going to interject. I think um, the reality is we were so happy he had lived that mm-hmm. him not having sensation in his legs, took, like, the back seat. We were so numb that he could have died and that he was still fighting for his life. So when the doctors were coming in and telling us this information, it kind of went in one ear and out the other, if that makes sense. So it was like a soft realization.
2: Well, I was going to ask you also, um, as a mom, when you were told that news, uh, uh, how did the doctors break it to you? and And was it... Was it relief and not relief in a way, but was it over offset by the fact of what you just said, Elizabeth, that, well, at least he's going to live?
3: I remember only one conversation. First of all, I never really saw many doctors around his room. It seemed like whenever I would show up, they weren't around. But then I remember one evening, a team of neurosurgeons came and we met outside And they kept talking about having to take him in for an additional surgery to stabilize his spine, and they had determined that they did not need to do that. And I was relieved that he wasn't going to have another surgery. And, again, it was kind of like I wasn't really processing everything. I was just so thrilled that he was still alive, that everything else seemed like we'll deal with that when we have to deal with it. Let's deal with making sure that he survives the event. I mean, for 10 days, you know, he was in ICU and everything. You just, you worry, right? So to me, the bonus was that he was still here and anything else that would come down the line further on, we would deal with accordingly. And um, it should also be mentioned that he still has one bullet in his body, so they've never been able to put him into an MRI machine. And so I've always held out hope that maybe they couldn't see everything in a CT scan. And who knows? You never know, right? There's hope. So where there's life, there's hope. <laughs> I'm going
2: to ask you this question, um, Noah, because somebody texted it in, and I, I don't I don't want to um, generate controversy or try to cause it, but I think it's a fair question. Somebody wanted to know if at any point your race was referred to. I know Tata Se is Asian, correct?
4: Uh, Yes, Tata Se is Asian. And, uh, uh, go ahead. I, I don't think there was any race involved in it. It was just— What was that? I, I should, like at time, there was no race, but was, as time went on, I heard that there was. It was more race oriented through the texts that they sent each other. Really? Yes. Okay. I haven't seen it, so I can't really say. Right. What? It, what is it said, But from what the police and, and other authority figures in the legal system have told me, it was invo- race was
2: involved. Does that—would that then qualify it as a hate crime, or is anybody looking into it for that?
4: I, I really don't
2: know, sir. Okay.
4: I hope, I hope that someone's looking into it because, obviously, if they were targeting me because of my race, that means anyone else could be targeted for their race. But uh, at the time, I'm just trying to get justice for what has happened to me.
2: What would, would, you, what would you consider justice
4: Um, well, restitutions, obviously that they serve time. I mean, they've like, a like a long time. I mean, I'm not gonna be getting, you know, I'm not gonna have my legs back anytime soon, be that ever or, you know, within time. So so I, I, I don't, I just want, I don't even know what I would consider justice in my head. Because they've, uh, I remember originally they were talking about giving them a deal, the plea deal, a plea deal for like 15 years, and that disgusted me. For Cruz? So it was for Cruz, I believe, the juvenile.
2: Both will be tried as adults, correct? Or do you know really? that for a fact yet?
4: Well, we do not know yet. We're waiting. They, uh, there's appeals going on.
2: Because I know they missed a deadline, and then they were trying to appeal that, correct? Yes,
3: yeah, correct. And we're waiting on the ruling in regards to Cruz-Matoot, whether or not the Louisiana Supreme Court is going to allow him to be tried as an adult. We've been told by the DA's office that there's precedent, another case, where, so it's favorable. Um, so that's what we're waiting on. Um I would also, you, you asked about what justice would mean. In my in my book as a parent, mm-hmm. you know, I think that they should be required to um, financially make him whole. I mean, it's been an inordinate amount of money spent to keep Noah alive and healthy. And the fact that they, you know, that the bills fall to the family <laughs> is kind of crazy, right? It's like we're getting victimized a second time. So I think if they're, you know, going to be sent to, say, for a prison and they're making license plates, for example, that the income earned from them working will be in turn, you know, generated in in the direction of restitution of these bills. But justice is interesting in this country, we're discovering.
2: What what, um, kind of financial, if you're comfortable talking about this, Elizabeth or Noah, what kind of financial burden are you looking at here?
3: Well, so Noah, through a series of events due to this divorce that I had been through, Noah um, did not have insurance on the net. We thought he did, but he didn't. So he ended up being put on Medicaid, which frankly has been a saving grace because you can only imagine how much all of this is costing. Mm -hmm. But when Noah graduates as an engineer and takes on a job, it is my understanding that he would have to pay back the bills which is crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's basically saying to him, don't work and remain under the radar financially so you can keep getting the medical care you need. And these bills were all incurred by other people. I mean, he didn't cause this to himself, it was done to him. So I think that that needs to be hopefully rectified, um, that victims of crime, real crime, do not have to sustain the financial burden. And that they're allowed to move forward in their lives. I mean, Noah's goal is to graduate, get a real job, and provide for himself. But he might have a huge bill if he decides to do that.
2: <laughs> have you um, done any kind of GoFundMe things or anything? Or And have you gotten any response from that? Because I'd certainly like to give you a chance to, um, <laughs> because we were talking to a security expert and they said well you know listen to trusted media and then they'll tell you whether or not a GoFundMe is legitimate or not and this certainly is legitimate so if you have one mm-hmm. please feel free to mention it
3: we did have one initially and we did have some um, probably about three thousand dollars was donated which was immediately used for um, you know shower benches and all the things I mean he even needed a new wardrobe when um, you know you don't wear the same clothes when you're paralyzed so anyway um, that's what we're working on. I mean, justice is an interesting word, right? Right. And I, a reporter last week inter- interviewed me, and her final question to me was very interesting. She's, this is when Tata Se was running around, mm-hmm. the day he was running around. She said, have you forgiven him? And well, forgiveness is an interesting word to ask when, you know, the the West well, Marsh was
2: like- Elizabeth, take a second, because take a bre- uh, a, I'm going to take a break here, and you can have a second, because that was the next question coming up. You're reading ahead for both you and Noah. So we'll talk about it when we come back. We've talked about justice. We're going to talk about forgiveness, because it would be hard for me to do that uh, were I in Noah's position. I, I'm not even the victim, and I can't forgive these people for doing that. So— We'll continue to talk about it, 9.37, 23 till 10, traffic now, WWL. 9.45, quarter till 10, Tommy Tucker talking to Noah Hansard and his mom, Elizabeth. He was shot in August of 2022 in Lake uh, along the lakefront, taking a walk while studying, just trying to take a little break, and he was targeted. Um lucky he's alive. His parents, his mom's lucky that he's alive. He's lucky too and he, he's got an amazing attitude. Um, one of the amazing things to me is that um, he asked the people after he was shot to at least call call an ambulance for him and he told him to blank off. Um, Elizabeth, you talked earlier about forgiveness and that was a question I was asking. I was going to ask mm-hmm. Noah and you because they had already covered justice. W- what about forgiving? Could you ever forgive these people? Well, Elizabeth?
3: Yeah. So my, my answer would be once they have proven to society and to the courts and to us that they have somehow rehabilitated themselves, that they are making, that their actions, contrary to the actions on the night of August 21st, you know, that they're now wanting to rebuild as opposed to destroy a human being's life then that's when forgiveness begins. You don't offer forgiveness when nothing has been done to show that they're worthy of it. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness can come in time, but for right now, we're not definitely at that stage.
2: What about you, Noah?
4: It's the same. It's obviously actions uh, will lead to forgiveness, but, I mean, it would have been nice if they uh, didn't have to do the destroying before they have to do the rebuilding. How are you not angry? How are you
2: not angry every day?
4: Uh I have a I have a good friend, good friends that just keep me even keel. I have a very relaxed life, T- try to take it day by day. Like, you know, just take a problem at a time.
2: Did you struggle with it at first?
4: Uh, maybe a little bit just because um obviously that was the first thing that was on the forefront of my mind, but I have more important things. To focus on now, which is making myself, well, just finishing what I started, study-wise, life-wise, all that stuff. Do you hate these people? I mean, different for, to them, I would say.
2: Because I hate them. I got to tell you, just from, from working with you and your mom and, and talking with y'all, I hate them. It's hard for me to be indifferent, and yet you are the direct victim, and you're saying that um, you're indifferent as though they're not mm-hmm. worthy of your hate almost.
4: Uh, I, the reason I don't hate them is it's actually a saying in my friend group, don't let them live in your mind rent free. Mm. Because they don't deserve the time in my mind. I got more important things to do than think about them. if I just hated them, then that would just, that would just me being the, Mm -hmm. you know, consumed by it. Like I, it would just be a waste of energy to this channel hate.
2: Let's talk about that, about school and so forth. I know um, I'm looking at a, a story here. It says you took naval Admiralty Law and?
4: Naval Architecture. Naval Architecture.
2: While you were had some surgeries going on and, and uh, gone through rehabilitation and so forth. Um, where do you stand with school now?
4: Uh, I'm about to finish up my next semester uh, at the college. We have our
2: finals coming up. Uh, in December.
4: And I got probably a, maybe a year left of college, with uh, depending on how the classes work out.
2: And it's naval engineering. That's what UNO has, like, one of the best schools in the country for, right?
4: Yes. Uh, I think the proper name is, like, naval architecture and marine right. engineering. It deals with, like, shipbuilding, offshore structures, anything that can be built on the water. We figure out how to get it there.
2: It's like one, or four, one of four schools, I think, in the nation, or maybe three, that really excels in that program. And, and they built the, uh, the uh, facility when I was there back in the day. Um, so moving forward, Elizabeth, with the— I want to the,
3: interject something. I have a friend that just messaged me. She's an attorney mm-hmm. in regards to hate crimes. Yeah. She said it's federal. No hate crime against Caucasians because they're not defined as a minority. Okay. Interesting, isn't it?
2: It is. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, the local uh, authorities and the DA's office and the cooperation you've been getting from them and uh, Matate Cruz, I got his name right? Mm
3: -hmm. Cruz Matute.
2: Cruz Matute. Yes. um, Being tried as an adult. I know the DA missed one deadline or two. Tell me that story and where you stand on that, where the situation stands, um, not you.
3: We got a phone call. They were going to go ahead and try him as a juvenile, at which point I was not very happy about that news. And I reached out to the press, you included, and we were able to apply enough pressure to have a sit-down meeting with the DA. He agreed to review it. He decided to move it to a grand jury. I've heard some stories that it was mandatory that he go to a grand jury, and other people have told me, no, he could have signed off on his own. Irregardless, the grand jury decided it should go to adult court. But he had exceeded this 30-day window, which um, I believe the grand jury met on day 42. So 12 days past the 30 days. So that was a window of opportunity when it got to adult court for Judge White to throw it out. Again, I've been told that she did not get the law correct, and um, the DA is on the record for that. And it was therefore sent forward for an appeal to the Louisiana Supreme Court. Um, And we're waiting, and we've been told that there is a case that sets precedence that they will probably rule in favor of trying him as an adult. And obviously, I'm advocating for violent crimes committed by juveniles that they should lose the um, protections. This is not just stealing a hubcap or breaking a window. These are kids who are taking high-powered weaponry and going out with the intent to cause bodily harm to other human beings. So these are very violent crimes, and it's also why I was advocating for HB 321, which was a bill, and hopefully will be presented again, that um, victims and citizens have the right to know what juveniles are doing in regards to violent crimes. So this is a bill that we're going to try to pass again, Um, and it would really lift the secrecy. It would give transparency because a lot of this is done with lack of transparency. You know, people go to court. It's just a big word salad and victims get lost in the terminology of the law and in the mechanics of the courts. And um, frankly, the system right now does not favor victims. So this is what I've been working on since Noah's been shot, not only to keep him alive and well but to also not have anybody else enter this nightmare that we've entered. If I can prevent that for other families, then Noah's walk will have served a purpose.
2: It seems like you being the, um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of, the, the go-between between the justice system and Noah's allowed him to get on with his life a little bit with UNO and so forth and continue his education. Accurate?
3: Yes. I mean, my job is to keep his world as peaceful as possible, although he does attend many doctor's appointments and OT and PT and everything, but I field a lot of the information so that he can hopefully maintain a normal life and focus, like he said, on what's important, which is rebuilding his life.
2: Noah, real quick, I'm going to wrap it up with you. Um, Tell me about, like, sensation in your legs. Are you starting to get a little bit back? Uh.
4: So, I always joke that with my mom that it's kind of like I'm a little like a dog. If I scratch my belly in a certain spot, I actually can feel it radiate down my like leg on that side. Mm -hmm. So, if I scratch my left side, it radiates down my leg. If I scratch my right side, down the right. But so far, that's uh, what I'm getting. I I mean, I got a little bit of twitching going on. I don't know if it's voluntary or involuntary. Uh, But yeah, it's progress.
2: So, what can people do if they want to help y'all?
4: Actually, I don't really know. I'm so used to uh, just hunkering down and, like, you know, trying to do things myself that I never even thought about how someone could help me other than my mother.
2: Y'all get together, and Elizabeth will let me know, and then I'll put it out there. Thank you both. God bless y'all. Thank hope you, all I hope y'all have so. a, mer- a happy holiday season, 9:54, 6 till 10. Coming back, we'll find out what Newell's got for us today on WWL.